G'day, I'm Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at City on Hill. It's great that you can join us. Uh, will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again that you don't leave us in the dark. Lord, your word shines the light of your truth into our lives and into our world. Uh, so, Lord, give us that light now. Lord, help us to live in that light, the light of your word. And Lord, we uh, pray that as we come to read and think about your word, that you'll give us your spirit to help us to understand it, to give us wisdom, to give us instruction, to give us discipline that comes from your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was reading this week, I I, I read the tragic uh, but very silly story of a guy named Danny Lewis. Uh, Danny was a Mr. Fix-It sort of bloke, unlike me. Uh, Danny could fix almost anything. He knew a lot about electricity and electronics and like little gadgets. And so uh, they said he could fix almost anything, toasters, hairdryers, televisions, you name it. Uh, Give it to Danny and he could fix it. Uh, But the tragic thing is that Danny was electrocuted uh, while fixing a transistor radio, while it was plugged into the PowerPoints, while it was turned on, while he was taking a bath. Now, that sounds a bit ridiculous, but that's the classic difference, right, between knowing facts, knowing all the stuff you need to know about radios and electronics, and then knowing what to do with those facts. I mean, Danny, he knew his stuff, but he didn't know how to integrate that into a very effective life strategy, did he? Uh, And the reason is because there's a difference between being smart and being wise. There's a difference between knowing stuff and knowing how to apply it in real life. And that's exactly where the book of Proverbs uh, fits into the picture. See, Proverbs is a book that's all about the art of living, how to do life well. If, if the Bible was a Whitcall's bookstore, Proverbs would be very much in kind of like the personal development and personal effectiveness section. The book is actually out, it's all about how to be the best person that you can be, how to make the best life choices, how to live a life that's effective and successful and rewarding and meaningful. And I think it's even clear that in these opening verses here, Uh, See, the book of Proverbs is one of these handy books of the Bible. It actually gives you a purpose statement at the start. It tells you why it's been written. Uh, And the purpose statement is there in verses uh, 2 to 4 of chapter 1. So we read, uh, uh, look at verse 2 with me. Uh, uh, Here is the purpose of Proverbs. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discerning to the young. Now, there's lots of different ideas expressed there, but there are three main ones. Wisdom, instruction and prudence. And you can tell that those are the three main ideas that are going on because they're they're the ones that keep getting repeated. Wisdom and being wise, it's there in verses 2 and 5 and 6. Instruction, or some translations, if you've got a different Bible, translate it as discipline. It's there in verses 2 and 3. And then there's prudence in verses 3 and 4. These are the the three uh, big things that Proverbs is trying to impart on us. So we're going to take some time to look at them. First, wisdom. And by wisdom, the Bible means something more than just being smart. You see, wisdom is not the same as being clever or intelligent or just simply knowing stuff. Wisdom is making the right use of the stuff that you know. 
Uh, where our office used to be out in Petoni, there was a, a food delivery truck that would regularly drive by. I think it was from the, the factory next door. Um, and on the side of this food delivery truck, it said, uh, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit and wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. You see, wisdom, it's practical knowledge. Wisdom in the Bible, it's, it's being street smart. It's, it's being able to figure out the right choices to make in life. You see, wisdom is knowing what to do next. I mean, the tragic story of Danny Lewis fixing the transistor radio in the bathtub, he knew stuff, but he wasn't wise. It's the classic difference between knowing facts and knowing what to do with those facts. You see, Proverbs, it doesn't want us to be like Danny. It doesn't want us to be putting tomatoes in our fruit salad. It wants us not just to know stuff, but know how to live with that stuff. Proverbs wants us to attain what it says is wisdom, to have practical knowledge, to know stuff about the world and to apply it in a way that works so our life will work. That's the idea of wisdom here. Uh, The next key idea is instruction. Uh, The word here, it's closely uh, related to the word discipline. Uh, And this instruction and this discipline that we see in Proverbs, it's the sense of being in control of yourself, of having an ordered and thoughtful life, a life that's just kind of not at the mercy of just random outside pressures, but a life that's deliberate and instructed and following a plan and a purpose. It's like a trained athlete. There's a, there's a discipline and there's an instruction to their routine. They, they control all the aspects of their life, what they eat and how they exercise, and they have the mental toughness to follow that plan day after day after day. The, the book of Proverbs is designed to instruct us like that, to train us, to, to fine-tune our abilities so that we can be the best people that we can be. And it's also a book designed, verse 4, for giving prudence. And here's, uh, prudence, it it sounds like an old-fashioned word. It sounds like a sort of word that your grandma would use or something like that. Uh, But it's the idea of exercising good judgment, kind of exercising care when it comes to planning for the future, doing your due diligence, things like look before you leap and measure twice and cut once. That's, That's prudence, having an eye for the future, foresight into what can go right or wrong so you can make the right decision in the present. And to be prudent will mean that you're not impulsive and you're not reckless. So wisdom, knowing what to do, instruction, sticking to a plan, and prudence, exercising good judgment to the future. That's, that's what Proverbs is going to try and uh, grow us in so that life will go well for us. And also there, verse 3, verse 3 says this, For receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, doing what is right and just and fair. See, Proverbs is about living an effective life, but it's not, about, it's not just about getting the most out of life no matter what. It's not about kind of just uh, the ends kind of justify the means. I, I read a newspaper article uh, a little while ago that talked about how to manage stress at work, and it gave two tips. If, you, if you're stressed at work, here are two things you can do. One, take your dog to work. Apparently having pets around means you're less stressed. The second is do what you can to be the boss. Because apparently bosses are less stressed and bosses, apparently they, they even live longer if you're the boss. Uh, now, if you, you know, there's probably not many people who are bosses here, uh, but um, your boss might want to argue with that. But uh, just for a moment, observe the way the world sees wisdom. Observe the, the advice the world is giving you on how to live an effective life. 
It's to operate with your own self-interest. The article says that wisdom is actually walking over whoever or whatever you need to do to get ahead so that you can have the stress-free life. But the book of Proverbs, right from the outset, it's saying something different. It's saying that real wisdom, a life that works best for you, it's about what's doing, what did it say? What's just and right and fair. A life that not only works for you, but a life that is morally right. A life that is just and fair. Uh, I was in the, uh, the bookstore the other day and I was, um, I just, I don't know, it kind of makes me angry, but I kind of like doing it anyway, kind of walking through the self-help section of the bookstore. Um, and it seems if you want to get a self-help book published in 2020, you need to have a profanity in the title. Like they're all swearing at you. There's the subtle art of not giving a bleep. There's the everything is bleep, the you get your bleep together and bleep no. And then, uh, I love this one because it doesn't make any sense. Calm the bleep down journal. Like, if you're telling people to calm down, but you've got to swear at them to do it, um, you're not a very calm person in my mind. Um, But all these books, they're all essentially the same. Essentially, they boil down to this. Care less about others and care more about yourself. Care less about others. Care less about what others think. Care less about what others want. Care less about what others want you to do or what they're going to say. And focus on yourself. Focus on what you want. Focus on what you care about. Focus on what you want to do and what you want your life to be. Focus on what's best for you. But Proverbs is not like that. It's not about doing what's best for you at the expense of others or stepping on other people to get ahead. Proverbs is about a lifestyle that not only works but is also morally right and proper and good. Which is a great package. And it shouldn't be surprising because these are God's Proverbs. Here we have a book full of God's instructions on the art of living. Not just to survive but how to succeed in this life. Wisdom from God to have a life that is stable and good and coherent and effective. And that's what you want, isn't it? You want your life to work, don't you? You want your relationships to go well. You want there to be enough money in the bank at the end of the month. You want to be kind of in your study or your work. You want it to be productive and fulfilling and making a contribution to the world. You want people to like you and to respect you and to listen to you when you have something to say. You want to make good decisions. You want to do what's right. That's what I want. And Proverbs is saying that this is the place to get it. Proverbs is all about living a successful life. Living a good life. Living a fulfilling life. Now, in our corner of the Christian world, we're rightly suspicious of preachers who who promise a successful life. Uh, I don't think, to be honest, I've ever preached preached a sermon on kind of personal success and effectiveness before. And to be honest, most of the time when success kind of comes kind of from my lips when I'm preaching, it's 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 to call out other kind of teachers of the Bible who want to overpromise what the Bible says. But here, Proverbs is actually about living a successful life. That's what the book is about. It's about living the most fruitful and fulfilling life that you can. 
You see, Proverbs holds out before us a picture of life that goes with the grain of the universe, a life that is in sync with the world around us and how God has made it. And Proverbs is able to do it in a way unlike anything else because it's God's word. The God who made the universe, the one whose hands flung stars into space, these words come from him. It is his world. It is his universe. He has given you your life and these are his words for how to do it best. This is his wisdom, his instruction, his prudence. Uh, But in case you just think you're just going to flip open Proverbs and find a really simple, straightforward uh, direction on how to live your life and kind of uh, six easy steps to uh, personal success and fulfillment, Proverbs warns us it's not going to be easy. There's going to be a little bit more to reading the book of Proverbs than meets the eye. We get this warning there in verses 5 and 6. Verse 5 says this, uh, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Okay, so the wise are being called to listen to Proverbs. So you don't kind of arrive at the book of Proverbs. You're always learning. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings of the riddles of the wise. So here's a book that's saying it's going to require a little bit of thought, a little bit of discernment. Proverbs is going to have a lot of things, a lot of different things to say, and it's going to say it in a lot of different ways. There's going to be sayings in Proverbs. There's going to be riddles. There's going to be parables. And then there's going to be those those pithy little Proverbs that we're quite familiar with. And so the book is preparing us here. It's preparing us. It's it's, it's not going to give us a simple list of commands. If you follow step by step, uh, if you follow these commands, then your life will succeed no matter what. You see, Proverbs is telling us that it's going to give us tools, not rules. It's going to give us tools for living, not rules of what you need to do in every situation. If you want an example, uh, an example here in Proverbs uh, 26, verse, verse 27. I'll read it out for you. 20, Proverbs 26, verse 27. It says this, Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. Now, has anyone here ever dug a pit? No? Yeah. A few people have dug a pit. Did you fall in, Jono? No. My brother, he bought a house last year. I went to his house and it's got a lovely kind of bush backyard and there's a path that goes down the backyard and a storm came through and a big rock rolled onto the path and so we got all macho and we rolled the stone further down the hill. The hill. Didn't roll onto me. So how do Proverbs work? We've got to realise how they work. Part of understanding Proverbs is knowing when to use them and when to not use them. Uh, They're about probabilities, not promises. And so we've got to make the right connection between the proverb and the situation. A little bit later in chapter 26, we'll read this. Sorry, a little bit earlier in chapter 26, we'll read uh, in verse 4. It says this, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, Or you yourself will be just like him. And then in verse 5 it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. You see there, in the space of two verses, the exact opposite advice is given. In one case, don't answer the fool. You'll just be wasting your breath. You'll be uh, reducing yourself to their level. In the other case, do answer the fool. Because if you don't answer them, they'll never learn. 
Both are observations about life. Both are often true. But neither of them is true all the time. And so we have them next to to each other in the book of Proverbs. And what the book of Proverbs wants us to appreciate is uh, it's not about giving these clever little lines, these absolute rules that are going to be true no matter what. It gives us generalizations. It's going to give give us rules of thumb about what often happens about what usually happens. And the great genius of the book is that as we become more familiar with the book of Proverbs and as we read it and understand it, uh, it'll actually shape us. It'll help us over time grow in wisdom so we'll know which proverb to use at any particular time. Uh, Here's an example uh, from my life yesterday. Uh, There's a modern proverb, haste makes waste. I don't know if you've heard it before. Um, you know, uh, it's often true. It's the idea if you rush through something, you'll end up ruining it uh, because you weren't careful and you end up wasting stuff. And so yesterday, my daughter, Lucy, uh, she was in a rush to make a lemon meringue pie before we went out for lunch uh, to visit some friends. And so in her rush to make her lemon meringue pie with a, a time pressure, she cranked up the heat when she was making the lemon curd. Uh, and if you've ever cooked, like made lemon curd before and it's too hot, you, you um, end up cooking the eggs before they mix through properly. And so you kind of get these scrambled eggs through your lemon curd. It's pretty gross. Anyway, so we learned yesterday, Lucy, haste makes waste. Uh, and the pie didn't turn out that great. And so next time we're going to slow down and we're going to take our time. And we're going to make sure we don't rush through. But haste makes waste. That's not always true, is it? What if later in the day, you know, Lucy was feeling unwell and she, you know, she got really sick and she stopped breathing. At that point, I don't say haste makes waste. I I don't want to rush this decision as to what I do here. I don't want to rush off to the hospital in case I make a mistake. I'm going to take my time with this decision. See, that's not wisdom at all, is it? That's in that situation. uh, Haste makes waste is not the proverb to reach for. It's he who hesitates is lost. That's the proverb to pull out in that situation. And that's how proverbs works. They're generalizations that are useful but not universal. Like I said, they're tools for life, not rules for living. And so you've got to know when to use the axe and when to use the saw. And the real genius of proverbs comes in here because overlaid over the top of all these proverbs and sayings, there are these key lessons that proverbs is going to teach us. And these lessons overlaid over the top, these lessons are the things that will shape us to be a person of wisdom. They shape us to be a person of instruction and discipline and prudence, a person who does what is right and just and fair. And as as these lessons shape us, as we read the book of Proverbs, we will then know which proverb to use when. And that's the real genius of the book. It wants to shape us so that we will live in sync with God that we will live in sync with him and the world that he has made. And the first lesson is right here in uh, chapter 1, verse 1. The lesson comes in the form of the person of Proverbs. Uh, So look there in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Uh, Now in the Bible, uh, Solomon becomes the kind of great patron, uh, the great sponsor of wisdom, Uh, He prayed for God to give him wisdom and God said yes to that prayer and granted him uh, great wisdom. 
and so he was the king over Israel during their golden age, the, the age of their, their greatest wealth and prosperity and peace. And in 1 Kings chapter 4, it tells us that God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. And so one of the things that happens here with Solomon is we, uh, and we, we start to see a connection develop. A connection develops between God's king and wisdom. Uh, and so at the time of Solomon, if you wanted wisdom, if you wanted to know how to live well, you went to Solomon to get it. You went to Solomon and sought wisdom from him. And it says in 1 Kings 4 verse 34 that all, from all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. In Solomon's day, people were streaming in literally from all over the world to come and get wisdom from him. Now, the great tragedy of Solomon is that uh, he didn't live by his own advice. Uh, The tragedy of Solomon was he was a bit of a do-as-I-say, not do-as-I-do kind of guy. And so uh, Solomon begins a, a kind of long line of dud kings for the people of God. But the Old Testament still holds to that principle as it goes through. If you want to get wise advice then the place you go is God's king. If you want wisdom, you need to go to God's king. And so in Isaiah chapter 11, as the prophet describes the future Christ, the future king of God, the one who is going to come and be the Messiah, he's described as this in Isaiah chapter 11. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding You see, the connection's there again, isn't it? The connection between God's king and wisdom, God's Messiah and wisdom. Isaiah is saying that the Messiah will be the one who will have the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Messiah will know what's what in life. The Messiah won't be a letdown like those other kings. At last, when the Messiah comes, when God's promised king comes, there will be a king who is worth coming to. If you want to know how to live a life that is right and just and fair. And this Messiah, he won't just show you, he won't just tell you with his words like Solomon did. He will show you with his life as well. And so it's no surprise that when Jesus steps onto the scene, uh, Matthew writes this in his gospel. In chapter 12, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they've kind of come to Jesus and they're kind of, provoking him for a sign they want him to do a party trick for them and jesus says you're missing the point and then in verse 41 jesus condemns them for their lack of insight he says past generations they'll rise up and condemn you Uh, the people who used to stream in from all over the world to listen to solomon they'd give their their arm and their leg to come and sit at my feet says jesus and so he says this to the pharisees he says this the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to solomon's wisdom And here it is. And now something greater than Solomon is here. So if you're trying to work out how to negotiate your way through the complexities of life, where are you going to start? If your life is a mess at the moment, maybe you made some bad decisions in the past that weren't very wise, how do you start putting it back together? We've seen that the book of Proverbs is going to give us you know, practical tips for living in God's world. It's going to be full of these helpful generalizations and observations about life. It's going to give us tools for living. 
But over that, it's going to shape us. It's going to use these lessons to shape us to be people who are wise. And here's the very first lesson that will shape us. It says, the art of living well is linked with living under the rule of God's king. The art of living well is linked with living under the rule of God's king. True wisdom comes from applying life's observations from this humble perspective. This humble perspective that God's king knows best. That wisdom flows from him. Or more specifically, that Jesus knows best. That Jesus knows best. Because Jesus is God's king, full of wisdom. Now, there's a lot of reasons why we might obey Jesus. Um, you know, one reason is uh, his authority. Heck, Jesus is the boss, right? Um, you learned that song in Sunday school, didn't you? Jesus is the boss. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's the son of God. He's God's appointed king over us. And so Jesus just oozes authority. And so when someone with the authority of Jesus comes to you and says, jump, we just ask how high. But authority can be itself kind of a a little bit unsatisfying as to why you should follow someone's instructions. I mean, the Anzac campaign campaign in Gallipoli, uh, if you know anything about that, it was carried out under the authority of the, the British leaders. They had the authority and they sent the Anzacs in and so the Anzacs went in and off they went. But hindsight tells us that just because someone in authority commands it doesn't mean it's a good idea. It doesn't mean it was the wisest thing to do. I mean, another reason why we might do what Jesus says is because he cares for us. We might do what he says because he's the king, but we might do what he says because he cares for us. He's got, our, he's got our best interests at heart. I mean, Jesus, he died on the cross to win you forgiveness. He clearly loves you. He clearly wants what is best for you. But just because someone has our best interests at heart, it doesn't make them always right or effective. I mean, many a well-meaning parent or friend or family member has given dud advice. Uh, When I was at uni, uh, I spent one summer, uh, the whole summer, working to save some money. And so at the end of the summer, I had built up this little... Uh, a little pot of money, and I was very excited. Um, but a well-meaning family member of mine decided to give me some investment advice. A great company, they said. Good leadership, excellent prospects, guaranteed returns. It's just about to take off. You really should get in now. Do something sensible with your money. Don't just spend it all. So what I did is I took the money I earned over that summer and I bought shares all in this one company. At the time, $6 a share. A few months later... They were trading at 60 cents a share. I managed to flush a whole summer's worth of work down the toilet. I had about two weeks' worth of pay, given I'd uh, spent four months working for it. Now, the person, they meant good. They cared for me. They had my best interests at heart. But it wasn't very effective advice, was it? Now, Jesus, he is a loving friend. Jesus has... God's authority as king, and those are good things. But added to that, another reason we should listen to him is that he is someone who is full of the spirit of wisdom. He is the one who has the spirit of understanding. 
See, Jesus is the appointed ruler who cares for you, but who also knows what is best all of the time. And if this is the king that we follow, if this is the king that we serve, if this is the king who we are going to obey, that's a deep delight, isn't it? That's a privilege to do what he says. If he, if he knows best all of the time, what a privilege to follow a king like that. And so when we're finished kind of mucking around with life, when we're done with kind of bumping and scraping our way through and, or just kind of working it out on the fly, when we're done with all of that, we can come to Jesus, God's king who has been given wisdom, and we'll do what Jesus says. We'll do what Jesus says. So no matter what our friends might say, we'll always say yes to Jesus. And no matter what our family might say, we'll always say yes to Jesus. And no matter what the ads might say, we'll always say yes to Jesus. And even times, no matter what our own desires might say, we'll always say yes to Jesus. You see, even though Solomon's wisdom and understanding was as measureless as the sand on the seashore, in Jesus we have one who is even greater, one who is even wiser, one who is filled with God's spirit of wisdom and understanding. And so if you know that one, if you know this Jesus, then not doing what he says, not listening to him, not having him as your king, well, that's about as clever as sitting in a bath while fixing your radio while it's plugged into the wall. Let us pray that we might come to Jesus and live with him as our king. Heavenly Father, we want to do life well. Lord, we want to live in harmony with others. And Lord, we want to live in sync with your world and with those around us and with you. Lord, we read in Colossians, the Apostle Paul writes them, urging them to hold on to Jesus because in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, Lord, we come to you. We come to you as our king. Lord, we seek your wisdom. Lord, we want to submit to you and your word. And Lord, shape us by it so we might do what is right and just and fair. We pray this for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen.